The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week is every week. We work really hard to bring you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Does my voice sound weirdly deep today? Boy, you do. I know. I sound like I'm I'm a bait. That must be why the guy at the hotel where I was making reservations referred to me as Sir. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'll just try raising it a register. Um, so today's question and answer week, which means that the show is about you and your questions. And uh, the way that you ask those questions is either give us a call at 877-772-9658. Or if that's if it's inconvenient for you to talk on the phone right now, you can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. While we wait for those to start coming in, I just want to issue an apology and a retraction to uh, the folks who are on the weekly Real Life Real Estate email list. I just noticed that um, when I prepared the email for this week, I forgot to change the subject line from last week. (laughs) The subject line references like a partnering seminar and then something about wholesaling. And then the email itself doesn't talk about those things because that was actually last week's subject line. The um, event that uh, is coming up this Saturday for Cincinnati Rhea is not the partnering event that that already happened. It's actually a how to be a successful private lender um, which, you know, applies to those of you guys who are thinking about someday making a private loan or maybe already are making private loans. It's going to be about how to do real due diligence on the borrower, the deal, all of that sort of stuff. And then we're going to get into some creative ways to make private loans, including wrap mortgages, which allow you to make private loans even if you only have just a little bit of money. So my apologies, my fault. I was in too big a hurry. I changed everything except the subject line. <laughs> in the uh, email that we sent out. So you can stop sending me emails saying, it doesn't say anything about the about wholesaling. It said in the subject line it did. Yeah, I know. My fault. Okay. So having said that, again, question and answer week, uh, 877-772-9658, or send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Uh, we're going to go to the phones and talk to Tony on line one. Tony, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, Vina. Thanks for everything you do. Um, first off, your voice sounds nice. 
<laughs> it sounds it sounds a little bit like I like I smoked and drank all night last night, and you know perfectly well I didn't because I was in Columbus at the Cori meeting and I was not drunk or smoking. <laughs> there it is. Well, I appreciate you. Um, my question: I'm getting back into real estate after years of being away, mm-hmm. and uh, I was recently listening to something that Ron LeGrand said, and he said that um, you're not really in business unless you're generating about 10 to 20 leads a week um, to, in order to get so many deals per month. I think you said one or two deals a month. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, you know, every place is different. There's a, a bunch of variables, right? Right. But what do you think of that quote? Well, I think it's a little judgmental to say you're not in business unless you're generating 20 <laughs> leads a week. Well, because <laughs> Yes, yes, Ron. Ron is actually my guest next week. And I'm already yeah, I'm yeah. I'm already sort of like uh, preparing myself for that because Ron is known for just the bluntest honesty. <laughs> right, <laughs> like he does right. he does not exactly pull punches. Um, but uh, you know people people want to do different levels of business. If you're if you're a wholesaler and you're not generating ten to twenty a week, uh, deals a week, you're just not ge- leads. You're just not generating enough leads to. So make enough deals to actually eat. I mean, that like that is a necessity if you're a wholesaler. But you know, there's a lot of people out there that their goal is to buy three good rentals a year, and they 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 don't need 20 leads a week to buy three good rentals a year. They they need three good wholesalers you know, to buy to buy three good uh, rentals a year. Uh, but his basic numbers are correct. If you generate 20, 20 leads a week and they are, you know, you're generating qualified leads. It's not, sure. you're not just generating, oh, yeah, I got your postcard and uh, I had no idea why you thought I wanted to sell my great house. But sure, I'll let you come over here and tell me what you'd pay for it. I'm not going to take it, but I'll, right. but I'll let you tell me what you want to pay for it. Um, that's going to get you probably two deals a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you do have to you do have to sort through a lot. You got to get rid of a lot of chaff to get down to that wheat, because that's that that's mm-hmm. that's my goal is you know 20 to 25 leads a week, and that's based on suspects who they, the only reason that they are calling is because they got a piece of mail because I had some idea that they both had a property and a problem. And even within that, the, of the 20 leads, there are 16 to 17 that I I pretty much discard right away because there's no there's no actual pain point. Mm-hmm. It it says you know they say maybe they are in pre foreclosure, but they say um, yeah my attorney said that the right thing to do uh-huh. was just answer every single thing the bank files to slow down the process and then he's he's going to declare bankruptcy for me on the Wednesday before the Thursday sale and he says that'll set things back by another 6 to 12 weeks and then they'll foreclose and then I will have 60 days after that under the law to get out of the house and so basically the best thing for me to do is just live here for free for 2 years. Right. I, nothing I say to that person is going to is going to convince them to sell the house instead. So, um, and and we still get even a fair number of um, like when we're when we're talking to people who have properties that they're about to inherit that have gone through the probate, they're going through the probate process. They will say things like, "No, we've already decided my sister's going to live here," or "No, my brother is a real estate agent and he's already 
ready to list it for full price. So they, they don't have a distressed mm-hmm. property. They don't they 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 don't see their situation as being distressed. So a huge number of the leads you get when you start digging for pain points, you find there aren't any. And you don't you don't spend a bunch of time with those people. You thank them. You ask them if you can refer them to an agent. You might follow up on them in a few weeks if you feel like they're just there. There is a pain point, but they're in denial about it. And just keep following up with them and yeah, you become motivated, right? Well, <laughs> you can see it. Like you can see that. Yeah. Right now they're all no. I'm gonna be able to borrow money from my mom to stop this foreclosure. And when you've heard that story often enough, and then seen the property go to foreclosure anyway, you learn to just follow up every three weeks and say, Hey, I was just thinking about you today. Did that loan from your mom come through? And one of those three weeks is they're going to say, no, it turned out she, she thought she could borrow money against her house and she can't. Sure. And then you're, yeah. and then you're back in the game, but you, you can't really push them on that first call so much. You can't really say, look, that's not going to work. I've heard that story 50 times and it never works. You just have to go, oh, you know, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad if anything changes, Definitely give me a call and definitely call me like way before the sale's going to happen because there's such a thing as getting too close to the sale for us to be able to do anything. And then you follow up because they're not going to. So, awesome. so yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like 20, 20 calls co- comes down to two to three appointments. Because the other okay. the other however many, you know, they're just not they're just not there yet. There it is. One more quick question. Um, you've been, I've been hearing all this stuff about interest rates going up on mortgages. You know, I'm in Columbus where we're about to get Intel and they're talking about housing shortage and so forth. How do you feel about the Columbus market giving all those different variables going on right now? Okay, let me get out my crystal ball that only I have. So, my, um, my, general feel about Columbus is that even if the rest of the or much of the rest of the country undergoes a minor to less minor price adjustment, Columbus is going to be insulated from that. I'm not saying that, that, you know, things won't go flat, you know, rents might not go down a tiny bit, you know, in a hard landing recession, but the reason that it's insulated, it's not, it's not Intel Although that's having an effect. I mean, people are like buying up stuff that they wouldn't have touched in a million years, two years ago. That rural, you know, I'm sorry, why do you want a 100-acre cornfield? Oh, because Intel's coming. (laughs) I'm going to build build houses in the 100-acre cornfield. Um, It's just because, I mean, Columbus is the fastest-growing city in the Midwest now. And the reason it's the fastest-growing city in the Midwest is that it's, it's... Headquarters to what seven Fortune 500 companies, sure, and one of the largest public universities in the United States, and it has become a kind of young, techie, vibrant, good nightlife. You know, if you have the choice of going to Columbus versus Chicago, oh my God! (laughs) Well, I mean, Chicago, Chicago for a long time was the fastest growing city in the Midwest. But between some of the um, government initiatives in the city of Chicago that have made it um, made all of the people I know who used to invest in real estate there run for the hills and 
just the just the, the sheer traffic. I mean, there's a there's there's a lot of well, the bullets didn't help either. Yeah, there's a lot of big city problems in Chicago that that Columbus doesn't really have, and it's attracted a really vibrant, diverse population. It's it's a younger city than uh, Cincinnati, Dayton, uh, Cleveland. So mm-hmm. I think I think people. I mean, what happens? One of the things that happens in a recession is that people move for jobs, right? Sure. Columbus has a lot of jobs and will continue to because of the thing I didn't mention, which is, which is it is the seat of the state government. And it has not been my observation that governments are getting smaller. Right. So my feel is yeah. Columbus is Columbus is going to do real well. The same thing happened uh, in the Great Recession. Um, every time I would go to Nashville, People would say, I don't understand why everybody else in the country is so upset about what's going on. Because our, I mean, our property prices went down like 5% for six months, and then they recovered, and they're doing good. And I was like, what, mm-hmm. what is going on in Nashville? The rest of the country is just like struggling with this. And what was going on in Nashville was a lot of people wanted to move there. And they didn't, and they didn't have enough housing. I mean, their housing boom didn't really start until after that. So... I think Columbus is kind of going to be in the same position. So what I'm hearing is, you know, it's possible to find motivated sellers. We'll probably have to work harder here than in some other places, but it's not impossible. Um, I'm not sure it's harder than other places. Okay. Uh, you're going to have your. Uh, you, six months ago, I would have I would have said you're going to have a lot more competition. A lot of the wholesalers who were depending on the market, everyone believing the market was going to continue to go up to sell deals that weren't really mm-hmm. deals. Like it wasn't a deal unless the market went up 30% while you were fixing it. Sure. <laughs> a lot of those guys are out of business now. Yeah. So you should you should find less competition right now. And of yeah. course, of course, when you know how to offer creative solutions to sellers, when you know how to pay full price, I think you mentioned... Uh, Sandwich lease options was one of your potential yeah. strategies. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. That puts you in a whole different category because a motivated seller who still needs to sell at full price, there aren't too many people who know how to offer them full price and still make money. Hmm. That's it. Yep. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I've been dusting off my old notes. I got notes from you that are dated 2015. <laughs> And you're awesome then, and you're awesome now, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk to Scott, Iris, and Sharon. It's Q&A week. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. It's question and answer week. And because my significant other is a very bad boy, we have... Lots of callers on the line and a number of emails in the uh, email box. So you can I, I, you can still try to get in. It's 877-772-9658 or askvina at gmail.com. If I don't, I'm not able to catch your question before we are off the air at about 5 till 6, uh, I will put it in the inbox and answer it in our next question and answer week. Um he sent out a text blast to people who were on that Real Life Real Estate newsletter list, and so everybody remembered that today was Q&A week. Uh, so let's go to line two and talk to Scott. Scott, welcome to Real Life Hi, Real Estate. How are you? 
I'm doing well. How are you? I am very good. Good. So um, I'm in Columbus. I'm actually a co-read member. Um, so I've been listening to you for a long time. Um, long story short, I uh, just recently sold a four-unit that I house-hacked. And so I've got about um, about 75K in cash. And my goal, my original goal is to buy another four unit, a better one, and put down like 20% because obviously the, the one I just sold, I only put down 3.5% because I house hacked it. But I want to put down 20% because in a year or two, I want to be able to refinance, pull that money out um, to put into another four unit. Mm-hmm. Or four plus unit, mm-hmm. um, and I'm just curious of what you, what would you do, if, if if your goal is to acquire more four units or plus more um, rental properties, and you had 75k in cash, like what route would you take right now to to achieve that? So before you sold this property, did you consult with anybody about the taxes you're going to have to pay out of that 75? Yeah, I know. I, yeah, I know I'm gonna have to pay the cap gains taxes because it's um it's before two years. Yeah, I know. Well, like, the, the part I didn't tell you is it's just that it's been a pain and I've been losing money ever since I bought it. So I, I'm just like I just want to get out of it. Um, and to be honest, I'm I'm getting I'm getting way more cash than what I actually ever thought I was. I wasn't really planning to sell it right now. My realtor was just kind of like, hey, you know, I think you could get this, and I was like. Really? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, we if we can do that, then I, I'm willing to take the hit. So it, it maybe tax wise, it definitely wasn't the best move, but well, you could have had for me like you could have had the best of both I'm worlds. Sorry. You could have had the best of both worlds here. You could have gotten to keep your entire seventy-five thousand dollars to go buy that next four family and still sold the property and still gotten top price for it. Uh, because um, you could have done a 1031 exchange. Now, you actually, because you lived there, right? That's correct. Yeah, so 25% of the gain, you yeah, you, you say you lived there for less than two years, though. Um, so so if you live... If, okay, so if you had lived there for two years, 25% of what you earned there would have just been, you could have just taken that money tax-free, but the other three quarters, you would have saved all the taxes by doing a 1031 exchange. So just check out, uh, go to realliferealestate.com and look up the show on 1031 exchanges because next time you're going to want to do that. Now, your question was... I thought you couldn't do that with, um, if, you, if you live there, which I did. I thought you could only do that for like investment property, like from one investment property to another. You lived there, but three other people lived there too, right? That's right. Oh, I get what you're. That's what you're saying about the twenty-five percent. Okay, yeah, you, I got you. You should have been. Okay. You should have been depreciating three quarters of the property because three quarters of it was investment property, and the the IRS does allow you to segment a property like that and say one quarter of it is residential. It's me. One quarter I, is right. um, I can sell it and not pay any capital gains tax if I've lived there for two years, and the other three quarters is investment property, so I get to depreciate it, which saves me on taxes, and then I can exchange it. Gotcha. So, okay. yeah, so next time. That, but I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, next time. Next time, okay. But your, your actual question was, if I had $75,000 and I wanted to buy another four-family, an, up, an upgraded yep. one is what I heard, yep. you, want a, you want a better one, 
what would I what would I do? Um, you you gonna live in this one too? No. Okay. So seventy five thousand dollars down. If that's twenty percent down, will should buy you a super nice four family. The question is, uh, is this one gonna cash flow? Because you said this last one really didn't. Yeah, but that was just because I had bad property management, issues with tenants, a lot of maintenance issues. So, yeah. But, yeah, the idea is the idea is for it to – I know it's not going to cash well a lot just because of where interest rates are, but if it cash – yeah, a little bit would be – yeah. Hmm. So what makes you think you're not going to have the same problems with the next four family? Because – I plan to buy better, smarter. Uh, well, it sounds, it sounds like part of your problem was the property management, and part of your problem was just tenant drama. I have new property management. Ah. Yes. I have new property management, fired the old company. Um, the old company was a new company. Actually, my current property manager is somebody I got from Corey, like just, I, I think, like one of the calls I was on or something, like, and yeah, huh. and this person like was recommended and they've been doing great so far so yeah okay good so you actually you actually got a recommendation this time um yeah but you need to be you need to be quick to fire if you're if your property manager if there's anything going on with property management right you 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 can't get a good accounting of where your money's going or there seem to be too many repairs and they're not explained or or the property manager just putting in lots of tenants who like you wouldn't put him, you wouldn't put them in if you just screened them, because they turn out to be very dramatic. You know, they're messing up the units or they're fighting with the neighbors or whatever. People are really slow to to fire property managers, and I I'm really quick to do that. I mean, I understand stuff happens, but if it's happening over and over and over again, and I've tried to find out what's going on or correct it, and it's not happening. Most property management contracts say you have to give a certain amount of notice to the property manager, and it can be like 30, 60, 90 days. So start that process as early as I'm sure it won't happen this time. But all right, so four family, um, four family, four families are a, kind of a strange property class. That's why I'm I'm asking you all these questions. Most people find that the cash flow is greater as a percentage of the price of the property and that the expenses are lower and the drama is lower in something in either something bigger or something smaller in either okay. like a two family or a 10 family <laughs> right cuz i have a duplex already so i want to go bigger mm-hmm. I, I got i have one smaller but i want to go bigger i want to add more units you might want to look around and see what's available that's much bigger because there's some, there's some. There's I don't know if I can, but how am I going to do that with my little seventy-five grand? Like that's why I was kind of like. Is there know? is there anybody else that you know or know how to find who might have money to make up any money you didn't have? You're in this. Uh, you're in this. Possibly, you're you're in this little Scott silo work. where you're like seventy-five thousand dollars is all the money. And that's that's not that's not all the money, you know. We've there's uh, we've got a whole uh, apartment focus group, and if you brought a deal to that group and said, look, it's a it's a 12 family, it's 20 family, it's a 30 family, and I actually need a quarter million, and I only have 75 thousand of it, 
and people looked at the numbers and it was a good deal, they'd be crawling all, all over each other to provide the rest of that money for part of the ownership. Okay, so I'm taking it that Vina, if she had 75 grand, <laughs> she would look for a partner to buy something bigger. Yeah, and I wouldn't. That's what I'm hearing. I wouldn't necessarily like like go out and start specifically talking to people about you know how much money, but I would be saying, hey, I'm I'm looking for something in this range, and if you're interested in partnering in something like that, please send me your information so that when I have a deal to present to you, we can talk it through. And there will be lots of those people. And the deal has to work. It's just four, four families sell for more per unit than they should, given the income they produce. And that, that's been that's been my experience since I got started in real estate. Because I I, I, gotcha. I I sort of well, thought the same thing, like, oh, a four family, it's not too big, not too small. And then I looked at what they were selling for per door, and I started mm-hmm. running numbers on them and going, how. How does anybody make any money on this unless they're self-managing and doing all the repairs themselves? Like I, I can't, my contractors couldn't do the maintenance uh, on this and and me still make money. And it seems to be because a lot of people think they're not too big and not too small. They're 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 like a target for a lot of folks who um, they're not really that they're, interested. They're in. hard to get. Yeah, and they're and they're. I think a lot of folks buy them not not intending to make money right now, but intending to have something for their retirement. And I, I think you sound young enough that you probably would like to have money right now. Um, it does not necessarily. I mean, I have a full time gig and a side hustle, so I'm 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 I am trying to play the long game. I definitely want to do like buy and hold. The one that I just had, my plan was to actually like re, like rehab it like i'm talking about like 80k like rehab it mm-hmm. and then interest rates like i wasn't planning on interest rates like doubling and, <laughs> and tripling and because i when i bought it i had like a two percent two and a half percent interest rate so like within like a year it went from like that to like six or seven so that just kind of like blew my whole rehab plans up and so then it's like man I'm, now i got this building that's Needs a lot of work. I don't have really the cash to do it. It's kind of just been a pain. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's kind of mm-hmm. So if I were determined anyway after what I just told myself that I was going to go buy four families, I would I would look for off-market stuff. I would find everybody in. Okay, if, like, if, if you want to be in. Like a wholesaler. Uh, no, I would go to the, uh, I think it's franklincountyauditor.org. I would pick out the neighborhoods I wanted, and I would just look for the stuff that's zoned. I think the zoning code is C401 for a four-family. I could be wrong about that, but there's a zoning code for four-families. And then I would maybe look for the ones that people had owned a long time, and I would contact those owners, and I would say, I need to buy a four-family because I just sold one. Are you interested in selling yours? And I would try and get one at a price that I could also borrow the money to do the repairs up front so that you get it stabilized gotcha. get it stabilized this time. Because uh-huh. the thing about those, uh-huh. if, if, if somebody's owned a property for 30 years, there is a high likelihood, I'm not saying that everybody's like this, but there is a high likelihood that there is a lot of deferred maintenance and that the 
rents are under yeah. market. And I would further try to make my $75,000 into two or three properties by not going to the bank. I would talk to those owners about, hey, instead of instead of you taking all this cash right now and paying a bunch of taxes this year, why don't why don't I just make you payments? You know, I'll give you like ten- owner finance. Yeah, I'll give you ten thousand down. I can only give you that much down because, you know, I need to go in here and turn over the units, but I'm going to be improving the building, and then I'll pay, uh, you know, 6% interest on the rest of the purchase price and see if anybody digs that because you might be able to turn the 75000 into more than one for family. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, I'll do that. Okay. Thanks, Venus. Yes, what I do. That's that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay, thanks for your call, Scott. All right, have a good one. Uh, you. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Oh, I, I have to read this. This is just a quick. It's not even a question. I know we need to take a break, Mike. Don't panic. Richard says, "Could your very resonant voice?" That's such, a, that's such a nice way of saying it. Could your very resonant voice be due to the smoke from the Canadian wildfires? <laughs> ah, Richard, I don't think we're, I don't know where you think Cincinnati is relative to Canada, but I, I doubt that that's the case. But I will definitely look into it. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Uh, it's question and answer week. We need to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk to Iris, Sharon, and Andorra. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Um, I, from what I understand from listening to the station for the rest of the week, smoke gets in your eyes. It doesn't get in your throat, but who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll solve this. We'll solve this mystery or not because nobody actually cares. Uh, it's question and answer week. We're going to go to line three and talk to Iris. Iris, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I have a question. I'm a member of um, Cincinnati Real Estate Association, and I live in um, Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. But I have been uh, trying for months to find uh, motivated sellers. Um, I get People that call me because I send out postcards for marketing, and I have a um, VA that makes calls for me because I work full-time during the day, Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. And um, I, everybody I run into, they all want way more than the house is worth. And, you know, it, it, they're not really motivated sellers. They will sell, but they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was just you know, wondering, is there any other any other list that I could go, you know, out, go after? Because I've basically exhausted so so i think you also sent me an email is this also your email okay so you've tried pre-foreclosures tax liens auctions absentee owners and driving for dollars according to your email yeah okay so we're gonna we're gonna walk through this for a minute are you ready yeah let's take let's take one of these lists the the one that i'm sure should be working for you and that's the driving for dollars list do you have a feel for how many pieces of mail you have mailed out to that list? Oh my gosh! For them alone, 
it was probably because more of them went to the other list. So I would say for the driving for dollars, I had roughly probably about like 80. Okay. I think I had found. Okay. So that that's a that's a relatively small list. So numerically, you you may just not be to a number there where like uh the like statistics would say you'd get a bunch of calls from that. When you mail them, how many times do you mail them? We did it. We did the funnel that you had said. We did it for a whole for one whole month. Okay. So how every week. So so. Okay, I, I don't think I told you to mail them every week. I think I told you to mail them every three weeks. Oh. <laughs> like 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 once once a week feels like an assault. With every every three weeks is is, <laughs> is probably good. Um and and so you have uh, if you did it if you did it four times you basically sent out 320 pieces of mail but to the same 80 people. Yeah. Okay, so 320 pieces of mail and then when they call you they're talking to your VA uh, they will call yes and then she would you know have tell me and I could call them back like on my break or when I get out within like within at least two hours I okay. would call them back okay and so is she is she asking them like a full set of questions about not just the property but also why they're selling uh, well no at first she was just asking about the property uh-huh so here I told her to start asking, you know, why they why they are selling, you know, to go into a little more detail for me because I kept running into that problem. Uh huh. Okay. And then, are you calling back everybody who calls, or just the ones who seem to have a reason to want to sell? No, I called them all back. Okay. So, um, almost every human being who calls me off of any list. When I ask them what they want for the house, I immediately know that's not the price I'm going to be able to pay. Okay. Like it's, 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 it's rare. It's rare enough that I remember the one who called this year and the number, I, I, I kind of knew the neighborhood. I actually have a house on the same street uh, that I own as a rental and the number that came out of her mouth, I was like, uh, yeah, when can I come see it? There was no, there was no like yeah. negotiation. It was like, yeah, I think I can do that. When can I come see it? Everybody else starts at a number that is anywhere from 25 to 100% more than I know I'm going to be able to pay for that house in that area. Okay. And, and, and I don't, you know, I don't say your house isn't worth that because if it's 25% more, it probably is worth that if they put it on the market and let it be there and let lots of people see it and we're willing to clean it up and all that sort of stuff. They probably could get that, but that's not the seller we're looking for. We're looking for the seller who, when you say, well, why don't you just list it? They say, uh, cause I don't have time or, uh, because the agent said I was going to have to get rid of the black mold and I can't afford to get rid of the black mold, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or I live in, I live in Colorado and I can't come out. I can't come out there and clean out, the hoarder house I inherited, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing you're looking for. So my, my first thought is, is the VA able to get to the pain point? Cause the answer might be no. It, it just might be beyond her skill set to get to the pain point. And I found that sometimes when you've got a, especially an overseas VA answering the phone, people are more, 
reticent about talking about the pain point. Okay. It's like it's almost like they think I don't know who this person is, but they sound foreign, and it may be a phone room, and I'm not sure how much I can re- I should reveal. Uh, where they would tell that they would be much more open to telling you. Okay. And. The, the way, so how do you make deals anyway, despite the fact that people, quote, want more than you can possibly pay? The answer is you find out what the pain point is. If there's no pain point, you don't work too hard on this next thing because it's not going to do any good. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, I, I, we tell people daily, four times a day, you know, your best, your best, uh, bet is either to hold on to this or to call a real estate agent. Mm-hmm. I mean you you can you can you can call other real estate investors but this just isn't this isn't a price point that real estate investors are going to want to pay and it doesn't really sound like you need to sell it like we're real honest with them. Oh and by the way do you need the name of a a good agent? When they have a pain point even when they're saying you know, I want 150 for my house, and you're looking and going, yeah, maybe 90, right? You need to tell them what you can do. Okay. Because the number, the number that's coming out of their mouth is, this is what I hope I can get. This is what I wish I could get. It's not necessarily what they'll take. Okay. okay. So everybody who does have a, if they're telling you a story that is not just I, I kind of want to sell my house. They're telling you a story that has that involves health issues, familial issues, um, time issues, right? That's going to foreclosure next week. Then you you go ahead and tell them what you can do, even though it's not what they want. And there's a way to there's a way to put that that isn't confrontational. And okay. and the way to put it is. Listen, I, I've done some research. I, I listened to what you said about what the house needs, and I, I'm just not coming up with a number above about ninety thousand. And I, I know that's not going to work for you. You know, I, I heard you say one fifty, and I know ninety is not going to work for you. And sometimes, okay. the, sometimes they say, "Oh no, it's not. No way." But they don't typically yell because you you said I heard what you said, but this is where I am. Uh, sometimes they say. Well, that's better than the offer I got last time. You know, sometimes they say, yeah, that's what keep, people keep telling me. You know, like like they already kind of know that if they want a quick sale, that's their price. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they say, no way. And you say, yeah, yeah I, yeah, I get it. I mean, I just, you know, based on what I would want to do to the property and what I would be doing with it, that's just kind of where I am. And... Uh, if you still want 150, that here's the name of a great agent, right? And then okay. you, and then really key is everybody with a pain point. You then follow up with them about every three weeks until they tell you, until t- they tell you they sold the house, until they, even if they don't answer the phone, you still leave them a message and you call them back three weeks later. Just on and on and on. We we we're, I hope buying a house this week. That uh, that guy's first call was eight months ago. Okay. And the, and the conversation ended with, "Now nah, I'll just keep it. You know, at that price, I'll just keep it." Well, Jess has been okay. following up with him every three weeks 
just saying, hey, just checking in on you. How's it going? Did you get that? He said he was going to rehab it and keep it. Okay, so did you did you get it rehabbed? You need you need any recommendations for contractors? Any way we can help? And then finally, after eight months, he said, no, you know what? I'm apparently not going to fix that. I just need to sell it. And it's okay. it's at the price we're talking about was our original offer. <laughs> <laughs> I had two that were like that, two guys. They were like, well, I'm just going to try to fix it myself and then sell it, you know, get a realtor. I was like, well, and I gave them a realtor's number, you know, and I, that's what I said. I'll just call them back, you know, in like a month and, you know, just keep in touch and follow up with them. Yeah, because because my – so here's how that story often goes. Uh, I bought the property. I was going to fix it up. That was three years ago. I haven't gotten to the repairs yet. I got your postcard. I thought I would give you a call and see what you'd pay. And the number the number you say, it does kind of shock them a little. Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of times you're telling them that you can't even pay as much as they did because the property's gotten worse from sitting there vacant for three years, right? And <laughs> so it shocks them a little bit, but then... And they say, I'm going to rehab it. And whenever I hear that, I'm like, you haven't done it in three years. What makes you think you're going to do it in the next <laughs> three weeks, right? And and it is it is more often than not the case that as these calls go on, and you just you keep trying to be helpful, right, just because you're a good person and also it gives you a good reason to want to call. Do, do, you, do you need name of a roofer? I, I got a name of a plumber. They start to realize that they're not going to fix it. And the number that you said that shocked them at the beginning, it, it's been in their heads now for a while, and it's not shocking to them anymore. Okay. And they, they, <laughs> they start to think, you know, maybe I should just take that. And it's costing me, you know, $120 a month in taxes and $100 a month in insurance. And even though this is less than what I paid for it, at least I could stop bleeding. Mm-hmm. Just get rid of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Do you think I should just stick with the driving for dollars? Um, driving for dollars is, is the best list. The issue is you, you reach a limit where they're like, you, you've driven every neighborhood five times and you're like, there just aren't any other places I can go. And then you have to kind of lay off for six months and go do it again. But you, I mean, you can still keep mailing those names. Um, the advantage of these other lists that you have, like the pre foreclosure list, that is a self replenishing list. Every week there's new ones. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I think a combination, I don't know that you need to be doing everything that you're doing here, but probably driving for dollars plus one of these other ones. Okay. And okay, ab- uh, But not absentee owner, don't do absentee owner anymore. That's got the lowest response rate of any of these lists. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to keep trying. I joined their wholesale school, um, so I'm on week two. Okay. So I'm cool. trying, and then I'll... I'll let you know what I come up with. <laughs> okay, you do that. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Iris. Let's go to line four and talk to Sharon. Sharon? Yes, hello. Hi, How Sharon. How are you doing? Uh, I just wanted to say I had a great time at the quarry meeting last night. My bundling <laughs> with banana bread was <laughs> 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 I just love the way that you put these win-win situations together. So that's my goal in life. 
Yes. Our, for, 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 for those of you who, who were not at the Cincinnati RIA meeting last week or the co meeting last night, uh, we did it. We did an exchange. We did a, a meeting practicing exchanging. And last night, the hottest thing in that room was a loaf of banana bread. It got traded around several times <laughs> for different things. And yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, I got a small one. I started eating mine. I went, oh, I could have traded again. Well, mine just appreciated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so cool. So thank you for that. It was a nice opportunity to learn and have fun, which was pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. So I had a question. You kind of touched on this, but I talked to a person that I said, I want to do real estate, get active and that kind of stuff. And then he started saying, well, the kind of market that we're in and the economy and the cycle goes up and down and what do you think we're in? And I said, I don't want to change the world. I'm just looking for my own win-win situation. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned something when you said, oh, that sounds judgmental. And I thought <laughs> I didn't want to get involved in the, you know, whatever the whole economy, which you're listening to on other stuff. But anyway, I thought, TV news thing that said Columbus market is going up, even though the percentages were low last year, they went up. But so how would you address someone like that in like a short paragraph summary without giving them side eye? (laughs) I'd say, I'd say that's an interesting perspective, but let me, let me tell you, let me tell you a secret. You're you're getting a snapshot Mm -hmm. because you're getting started right now. If you were, if you were getting started in 2011, somebody would have said to you, this isn't a good time to get started because the market's at the bottom. If you had been getting started in 2016, someone would have said, this isn't a good time to get in the market because prices have gone up too much. If you were getting started in 2021, somebody, (laughs) somebody would have said, this is a terrible time to get started because there's too much competition. If you were getting started in 2024, somebody would say, you need to wait till the market recovers. Like there, there's, Lots of people have opinions about right. when the best time to be in the market or, or start in the market is, and there is no best time to get started. You get The best time to get started is just now, whenever now is, because right. there's the big real estate market, there's the big retail real estate market that right. is what gets reported on, and then there's the deal Sharon is looking for for Sharon. Right, a and one. It, and it, I don't need a million. And it's and yeah. it's and it's a different. That's a, that's a that's a a different market because you're not looking for something to move into and lo- love and live in for the next ten years. And right. as as investors, we are both buyers and sellers. Give uh, depending on like what the market tells us to do. So mm-hmm. in a buyer's market, we're good because we can sell, <laughs> and in a seller's market, we're good because we can buy. There. There are different strategies that work well in buyers versus sellers markets, and all you have to do is find those strategies, do them, and then be prepared to change them when the market changes. I think that I think the shock that a lot of people are getting right now is because I mean they've got they've got ten years experience. They've been doing this since 2012, but they've only ever seen a market that was rapidly appreciating. Right. And now that the market is not rapidly appreciating, they're they're kind of they're a little lost, and what they're the way they're trying to solve it, like it's not my wholesale business isn't working anymore because there's aren't not all these like super motivated buyers out there. The way they're trying to fix it 
is by doing twice as much of it instead of changing right. their strategy. Right. Yep. So That's the secret sauce. Yeah, just keep keep hanging out with people who are actively doing it right now and listening to what they say. Right, very good, Jeff. So, and that's what I, I feel that uh, Columbus Market, like I mentioned, Intel, well, there's people that's going to be wanting to move there. So, mm-hmm. you know, we have people coming in, and this is not the bad market. I mean, Columbus, I think, is a lot better than Cleveland and a lot better than other markets close to us. So, mm-hmm. and we have such a diverse and we have Fortune 500 companies, like you yep. mentioned, so that's where I yep. think we have so many positive things going on. A lot of good about Columbus. Um, Sharon, I, I'm, I'm sorry, we are out of time. I'm getting like the I'm getting like the hook here from Mike, so I, I appreciate your call. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing.